0: A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means adult language is probably going to be present. Just so you know.
1: A man is selling fables Like he has always done before Something scrapes on a table Someone is settling And I don't know how I found you There must be millions here, at least But I wrap my arms around you Deep in the belly of the bees
0: From the Bedlam Podcast Network, this is a tiny revolution Celebrating our everyday victories while telling the stories and having the conversations that actually matter I'm Kevin Garcia, and welcome back to another episode. I'm back from the hills of North Carolina from the Wild Goose Festival, which, by the way, was incredible. Thank you so much to everybody who was there in attendance, to everyone who came to my sets with the many, to my workshops, um, to the amazing youth that were there that I got to hang out with. Um, Truly, truly a really fantastic time. Thank you to Emily Joy. For letting me come and read one of my poems there, which I never do anywhere except for when I'm around her. So she has this thing of inspiring bravery in people. It's really a powerful gift. Um, but I honestly, like, I, uh, I came back feeling so refreshed and um, just feeling really, really good about uh, my process and my direction and things that are going on in my life and where I'm headed in the next season of life. So um, as, like, kind of a matter of like full disclosure, I wanted to share with you guys. I decided to defer my enrollment at Canler School of Theology this fall. It was a matter of both trying to figure out vocationally where God is bringing me, and on top of that, um, financially speaking, I, um, I, I don't think I can afford to go to school full-time and also be able to pay my bills but I am grateful that I have the actual, the option of deferment because I feel like in a year, who knows where I'll be, who knows what I'll be able to accomplish. And who knows, maybe I, uh, maybe I'll be able to start a Candler. Maybe I'll be somewhere else. Who can say, I feel really good about making that decision for myself, especially after um, listening to the advice of people wiser than me and taking time to really pray about that. So thank you for your support in them. thank you for your prayers. I know that I've reached out to some of you and you guys have been nothing but wonderful Anyways, um, I don't really have a whole lot of big fat announcements coming up. Those I had a whole lot going on this summer. Things are beginning to slow down a little bit for me. But coming up in the next few months, there's a lot going on. So when October hits, we're kind of going to go on another whirlwind. So coming up, I am really excited to announce that I'm going to be leading worship at the GCN Youth Conference. That is the first ever GCN Youth Conference they've ever put on. It is the weekend of October 13th, 14th, and 15th. So if you're listening to this and you're an LGBTQ youth out there and you're looking to connect with other LGBTQ youth, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, I know that this would be an amazing opportunity to connect with other people and get some really cool fellowship, empowerment, all of those things. You can find all the information at gaychristian.net. I'll be posting more information to my website as soon as it is available, but I'm very excited. And then just a little bit over a week later, in Chicago, there's the Reformation Project National Conference in Chicago. And the Reformation Project National Conference is a conference that's both inspiring, informative, educational, relational. I don't know if I can get any more amazing adjectives to go with it, but I've been to every single conference since the Atlanta Conference. And every single time it has proved to be just an incredible space for people to come learn and um, really start to step into the freedom that they've always been promised as children of God. So um, if you've never been to a Reformation Project conference, I, I highly recommend it. Um, I learned some, like, yes, I'm going over a lot of some of the same information, but honestly, I'm learning something new every single time. It makes me a better advocate, and it makes me more connected with my community. So whether you are a queer Christian, you are a straight ally, you are somebody who's looking to just connect more with queer individuals from across this country and learn more about the struggle for queer inclusion in the the modern-day church, I definitely highly suggest you get yourself to Chicago on October 26th through the 28th information for that is at reformationproject.org slash chicago okay now that i have talked you off i want to share so this conversation i'm so excited to share it's so delightful um i'm talking with my friend bobby joe valentine he and i met at gc in this past year and you know we're in sound check together and i was just like i want to have him on my podcast because he's just too fun too kind like it's just he you like, can't help but smile when you when you meet him, and his music is delightful as well, and that's the music you heard on the front end of this podcast, and you're gonna hear intermittently throughout the interview with him so let me just read you a little bit about him. Bobby Joe Valentine was born into a Baptist church with strict lines and sharp edges, and coming out of that culture to discover who he really is, uh he's now a believer of a of a, of a different sort a believer in the wild and strange mystical nature of the world. Faith has come to mean something much deeper and wider and less cut and dry than when he first started. Bobby now finds that he has just as much to learn from the people who believe differently than he does than the ones who do. Um, he travels the country and plays at different festivals at different conferences that he's invited to he's played at wild goose which which i just came from he's been at the gcn national conference a couple times he has been at the 2016 emerge conference the kinship festival the annual ucc gathering and much much more bobby joe is a performer and a proud supporter of equal rights for all people And he believes that we're all in this together, and that the arc of the universe is long, but bends toward justice. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah! In this conversation, we'll be talking about Bobby's new album, Fox Eyes, Whale Heart, which is available worldwide on iTunes and on his website. And we'll just talk about a little bit about his journey, his personal life, and... I just think you're going to really enjoy this. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or a beer or whatever you prefer to drink and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Bobby Joe Valentine. I don't
1: know how it saved me, but love crept in and made a key. And it will lead you safely out of the belly of this sea.
0: give me like just give me like the snapshot version some snapshots from your life that like what what people should know about yeah
2: you. yeah so uh uh right now i'm a full-time touring singer songwriter um uh, origins is i was born and raised baptist i was actually adopted two days after i was born <clears throat> and a fun fact uh bobby joe valentine is actually my birth name
0: oh it's not your stage name
2: it's uh, so not my stage name. It's my birth name, and mm. my adopted mom, uh, my birth mom, excuse me, her name last name is Valentine. Wanted to name me Bobby Joe, and my adoptive parents took that, and they upgraded Bobby Joe to Robert Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> so my official name on my driver's license is, is is their last name, and those names Robert Joseph Parker. But when I started writing music, and I heard about the story of my birth name, I was like, I I really like that, and I like the idea of going back to the bones of. Who I am, uh, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, growing up in the culture I did, it wasn't really celebrated at all. So I, I went through the whole Baptist thing. Yeah. Private school, Bible college, got to be a music director at a church for a couple of years and mm. um, eventually kind of came out uh, in the midst of that uh, process. Actually, I was heading to be a missionary. hmm. Uh, I was heading to be a missionary to Uganda. Wow! Kind of when when everything came falling apart, and uh, in the best of ways, of course, it was a glorious uh, a glorious ego uh, sacrifice to realize that what I thought God wanted for my life all my life actually wasn't, and it was this construct that a lot of people had created for me. so so that's that's when I first came out, and that that has been a long process and was really fortunate to meet my partner kind of right into coming out and mm. uh, so th- uh, it's great. We were together for uh, almost seven years, and we broke up for a whole of two and a half months. Mm. and we're getting back together again so doesn't you know it doesn't doesn't really count you know <laughs> it's one of those things where when you know you know so uh so we're kind of we're, actually we're just in the middle of working it through now and that's my life story up to here the little snapshot and I tour the country and sing songs to anyone who will listen
0: so you you came out um is your partner a person of faith is that too personal to ask
2: no not at all no he he's not 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 as we would describe, no.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, like, like, yeah, I guess, like, that is such a loaded word to say, because when I say person of faith, like, that me- that could mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, yeah,
2: but I know what you mean. He's not a, a religious guy, hasn't mm-hmm. ever done the church scene too much, and doesn't have mm-hmm. our similar history.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's got to be very interesting, though, like, to not have a lot of, like, the Christian— uh, evangelical guilt baggage stuff going along with that going into relationships. Right.
2: Um, yeah, it's actually, I'm, I'm really fortunate. And I'm also, uh, you know, I, I realized that I'm a little biased here, him being my partner and all, but, uh, (laughs) he is, he's by far like there was a period of time where, you know, uh, the constructs of God and church and, uh, those kind of words, even Jesus, um, Mm -hmm. because they'd been used to wound me, uh, they were not going to help with the healing. Right. right, right. Uh, And and so I was really lucky to meet John and he was kind of this personification, like a physical manifestation of unconditional love of what that could look like. Mm -hmm. And he's always possessed this incredible integrity, uh, incredible affection. And ironically, uh, not being from our church world, he, he's kind of got it. You you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, the, the, And and this is kind of funny, the whole missionary story of people Mm -hmm. that kind of catch the spiritual and the sacred truths uh, in the trees. Um, John is actually that guy. Like Mm -hmm. he gets life on a level that most people I know are still learning. And a lot of the lessons I've had to unlearn, he hasn't had to unlearn. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because he didn't grow up in this. Hey, this is what God is. And then, of course, you spend a lifetime being like, oh, maybe he's not that. So,
0: Yeah. I was just talking with – my friend Kenji earlier today about my own spiritual experiences I've had recently, where it's not strictly within a Christian context where like um, I've had friends who are kind of like uh, I don't want to say like new agey spiritual kind of people. um, But Mm -hmm. like, like I've had had like Holy ghost moments, like sitting and talking with them about life, about the nature of God, about the nature of love. And, um, or even like I had a, one of my friends, she's a spiritual energy healer, which like when I first heard that, I was like, that sounds hokey as shit. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but like after like sitting down with her, she's like, let's just like, just do an hour with me. And if it's something great, it'll be awesome. And if it's not, it won't be anything. It's no harm, no foul. And like, tell you what, like I was weeping by the end of this session where she was just like listening to the spirit And saying things they already knew, but it was afraid to say out loud. I'm just like, wow, where I come from, we call that a prophetic gifting. And it looks like you, we just would use different language for it. And I think it's so interesting how, even within our own faith, we oftentimes want to box God into what we think is, you know, the right way to connect with God, quote unquote, right away.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I'd say that, you know, everyone has faith uh, in Mm -hmm. something. Uh, But what I think that I'm constantly learning from people like John and other people that I encounter across the nation is that they have they have faith. It's just a much more humble faith. Right. And uh, a lot of Christianity is the in the insecurity around it is based in the fact that it's thinking that you have the ultimate answer to anything like Mm -hmm. thinking, you know. Who God is and what He's about, yeah. and, and so it's. For example, <laughs> it, my same instinct, spiritual energy healer, like like it, it's our it's a weakness of our upbringing to hear that and instantly reject it,
1: yeah, be right? Defensive. Because
2: yeah, because it doesn't fit within our uh, our spiritual identity, mm-hmm. and so a lot of my travels has has been like this practice and kind of just expanding, uh my recognition of god showing up you know Mm -hmm. um god was there all along but uh in the spirit you know Mm -hmm. she's gonna do whatever she wants you
0: know
1: (laughs) oh i've said that before
0: i've said that on like one podcast interview that i has like it's real isn't it (laughs) i said holy spirit is out of control she just oh
2: yeah oh she's got a fire oh she (laughs) she's got this spirit this attitude you know spirit for a reason you know Mm -hmm. And, and i i like that kind of um uh how it kind of blindsides me sometimes. And uh, it pushes up against the wall of my presuppositions and slowly has me ease them down. Mm. And when I finally let them down, uh, God's still there. Uh, God's just bigger.
0: Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, than before that experience, God's still there. It's just bigger now. Yeah. And so that's, it's been wonderful to kind of discovering that as I travel.
0: Yeah. It's almost like we're constantly zooming out from like, We're given a very, very small picture of God, like in our upbringings or just Mm. even what we're able to handle as children or as youths or as people in the first half of our life. And then (coughs) excuse me. And then as we you know, progress through life, and it's I think also, um you know, Richard Richard Rohr talks about in Falling Upward how like in the two halves of life, like it takes like a, sometimes it takes a significant dramatic experience or hardship for people to like begin the unlearning process of mm. who yeah. God isn't, or rather <laughs> like learning what who and what the more of God is. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm constantly like zooming outward from this picture. is like oh, there's more in this direction, and there's more in this direction, and It just keeps going. Um, Yeah. And for me, that gets so scary sometimes because it's like.
2: like, Oh, oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. It's terrifying sometimes, you know, (laughs) that's the that's the true definition of holy fear is when you realize you don't have the answers. It's not (sighs) that you have an answer and it's scary. It's that you don't have the answer that in our small minds is worse. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) uh, I feel like that's the that's a better definition of the fear of the lord than what we were brought up with. It's not a fear of the of this list of things we know that you know that we perceive to be negative about god that we should be afraid of. Instead, it's it's the fear of the expanse of it. The fact that we uh, we still have a lot to learn and it's just like I don't know. There's a sweet humility to it. I'm so glad you like Richard Rohr. Oh,
0: he's one of my favorites.
2: No. <laughs> he's one of, Oh, mine too.
0: But what are you what you're saying right there, this is like, this is like. There's some things clicking in my mind right now about mm. that that first verse in Proverbs, just like the beginning. Uh, the beginning of wis- wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Let's just like I need to say that again. Just like it's the fear of what we don't know about God. Like the that's in, the beginning the, of
2: wisdom. The yeah.
0: intensity of the mystery and the endlessness of the wonder. Mm. That's the beginning like, to like, to just say, just like, I really don't know anything. I do not know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, but
2: yeah. and Wisdom doesn't begin without that. Like without right, yeah. that, you're not a student. You're this quasi uh, student-ish teacher that's just wandering around trying to affirm things they think they already know. But if if instead you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't know so much about the sacred nature of the, the world around me and, mm-hmm. and, and the God behind it, mm-hmm. uh, the, like the, then you can really be a student. Then you can really do some serious learning. When the winds of
1: life start hurricaning, there's barely even time to touch the ground. There is so much beauty, so much pain But I'm learning not to separate the sounds So I stretch my crimson cord out Reaching for a distant shore Where everything's okay and nothing's aching And it's a long way across Jordan there are boats I can't afford them so I'll float to where the current takes me and sing along let it go it's not easy I know but life's a gift Then it goes then it's gone so sing along
2: I, I think that uh, you know funny mentioning Richard Rohr uh You know how he says when he talks about opening yourself up to the uh, to the sacred nature of the world, how it takes either a great love or a great sadness. Yes. Yeah, Uh, I love that. And I also think (laughs) that he might be just kind of democratizing a little bit when he includes great love with great sadness. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us, it's the great sadness um, that because we. Uh, as kids, have been taught this very specific construct, so that needs to be lost. It's necessary mm-hmm. to have this tragic loss of it before we can even start constructing anything again. Um, and so, for me, that definitely came once. Uh, uh, without going too much into the nitty gritty details, I was uh, uh, finished school, finished being a music director for a couple of years, and, and I was heading to be this missionary to Uganda. And I was working with a going to go work with a very specific family. <laughs> And this family, when they found out I was going to come and work with them, called me and said, hey, we hear that you're single and you're heading to Uganda. Our daughter is also single. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it? Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Before you even got there, they're trying to match you up with their daughter in another
2: (laughs) country. It wasn't just that. It was, no, she was in the States, uh, but she was touring. She had gone to Bible college, same as I did, and she was touring the country raising support to be a missionary to Uganda, right? So obviously it was written in the stars for us to be together. Because we were the only people heading to The Book of Love
0: and the Book of Life, like same, same, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So so being the, uh, at the time, having been taught to read life circumstances and the Bible almost like a horoscope. uh, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just like, you know, read ver- like you have this life thing where you're thinking about and just read a verse until it read verses until it just vaguely alludes to it and mm-hmm. apply that literally to the decision you need to make. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of that thing where I was like, well, clearly, you know, this circumstantial evidence and then I read Esther for such a time as this. And I'm like, well, clearly, for well, clearly. <laughs> For such a time as this, uh, this girl has been, you know, uh, chosen and I've been chosen for her. But of course, in that patriarchy, it's mainly, you know, her chosen for me uh, is what we're taught. Um, So I just kind of went along with this. uh, And, you know, what's funny speaking of horoscopic uh, Bible readings. Mm -hmm. She we dated for like nine months and she didn't. She still was like on the fence about it. And then we were at some some missionary meeting. And she she's like, this is the one big life thing in the way. And she literally like is reading through the Bible like we used to do, like in perfect order and blah, blah, blah. And, and she just comes across a verse that says bride. <laughs> and that was all she needed. Like wait, what? Like there was nothing else in the decision other than she was reading her morning devotions one morning and it said like bride, like bride of Christ or bride something. And she read that as a literal like horoscope prediction that therefore she was meant to marry me. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, and like I've had, I know, I know people like that where like, I've had like gay friends who like used to be missionaries out on the field who like, like had like met a girl and like, you know, had like this moment where they felt like the Lord told them that they were supposed to be with this girl, but like they're gay. And, but like they tried to make it like, th- th- yeah, this story is
2: not uncommon to me. Unfortunately not. Yeah. Oh. And, and I, and I'd always had kind of, you know, I've thought about guys before and things like that, but mm-hmm. it was one of those things like many people where it was like, this is a temptation, not a piece of me.
0: Oh um, yeah. And this is a little, I don't want little... to make my homosexuality like my full identity. Cause my identity is in Christ.
2: Of of course, of course. Yeah, so I'm going to put this thing in a little box then and hide it, and then uh, mm. when I get married, then that's just magically going to fix itself uh, Ugh, really? uh, once, you know, once the wedding night happens. So uh, I was kind of all in for that, and I'd always been a little bit of a romantic, so I think I was really in love with the idea of love. Mm, always. So, yeah, so I just dove straight into this thing and uh, – uh, we got engaged. We were engaged for nine months. And she ended up telling me nine months later that she actually hadn't loved me this whole time. Um, oh, that shit. she had just – so, you know, of course the hor- <laughs> the horoscope turned out <laughs> incorrect. <sighs> um, uh, she hadn't loved me this whole time, but she thought she could grow to love me. Oh, that's uh, horrible. I know. And, and the marriage was in two months from when she told me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh, and this is, by the way, like – we all have our own struggle. This isn't anything against her. This is just the life we were in, the life yeah, that we were both sure. in. So, um But, but what, how it was set up in my mind then was I actually had loved you this whole time, but the ball is back in your court. And if you cancel this wedding, that's on you. Mm-hmm. And so I struggled with it for three weeks of like, and I had these pastors calling me everywhere. That kind of word got out about it, and and they were even telling me on the phone like, "Well, you know what? Love isn't everything, and I don't even think my wife loved me when we first got married." <laughs> like, <laughs> this is so bonkers. so that was the logic they were using uh, to try to you know have me kind of continue through with this. Get and, married.
0: And- she doesn't love you, but get married anyways because like that that's great.
2: Yeah, and finally, thankfully, I had uh I had had all these phone conversations and I had one uh friend call me who was like my best friend in the whole world and mm-hmm. and just all he said was dude, she doesn't love you. You can't get married. And it was just as simple as that. You know how sometimes you just mm-hmm. need another person to really kind of <laughs> tell you that you're not crazy especially when you're in a culture where everyone is telling you you're crazy to think a certain way
1: yeah
2: so Ooh. yeah yeah so uh, anyway long story short uh or long story long either way uh <laughs> i ended up i ended up canceling the wedding and pretty much um her parents sent out a letter <laughs> to everyone saying uh, saying uh you know this girl's fiance our daughter's fiance has canceled the wedding please pray for our daughter as she continues to raise support to go to the mission field
0: <laughs> this is like not right that's,
2: so it was yeah that's so it shady. Was, and i will call that what it is that was a blatant kind of blackballing of of what the thing that i thought i was going to do in the world and so i you know had this long process of uh of calling every pastor and apologizing because I'd raised, I'd like spent nine months traveling all over the country and raising support from all these churches and stuff. And had to call all these pastors and tell them what actually happened. And, and they were all very actually to their credit. They were very kind and things like that. But after those phone calls were done, I had to deal with me Mm -hmm. and I had to, I had to turn the focus around and be like, what does this mean for me if This thing that I thought God wanted me to do, and and I was planning to spend the rest of my life in Uganda. uh, This thing, if it didn't work out, what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? God, what does that mean about my life? What does that mean about everything I've been taught? And that was kind of um, the first uh, crash that started Mm -hmm. um, my faith kind of uh, having to experience a death before it could experience a rebirth. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was... It was through that time. I went through a really dark period for six to nine months. And really fortunately, I was able to meet my partner. And um, he really provided a foundation. And whether it's like a good friend you find or someone, just someone that loves you. It doesn't matter who it is. Someone that loves you in the midst of that kind of stuff. It's amazing how just one person's big heart, uh, you can lean on that. And that can get you through.
1: Life is a table set for five. And they're eating us alive in it Life is a race we race one time And we tend to drink and drive in it And we'll travel any other path Except the path that leads us home We're breaking more than just our bones Breaking more than just our This time.
0: this past Sunday, like uh, I was actually talking with some like one of like my casual acquaintances at my church. Um, uh, and she said, "Oh Kevin, how are you doing?" I'm just like, "Well, I don't really know if I'm a Christian anymore. I don't know how this works." um and she's like well what do you mean i'm just like sometimes i doubt the divinity of jesus but you know small potatoes right <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, and she looked at me with like these big old eyes like well, well what do you mean i'm just like i just don't know if i buy it some days and today i don't like mm. t- i said tomorrow maybe i'll feel differently <laughs> mm. um but it's um i take comfort in the fact that it's kind of like what you said, like one person's heart for you to lean on can be like all you need. And I think that's, what's really cool. It's what's really cool about really good religious community is that the, the days that you don't believe or the days that you're struggling to have faith, it's like your community believes for you and your community like is carrying that kind of weight with you and saying like, you know what, today I'll say the creed for you. You know, today Mm. I'll, I'll say the prayer and light the candle for you.
2: That's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great sentiment, man. Um so so yeah, that was kind of uh that was kind of my experience with losing God a little bit and then I was really fortunate to have some people that um reached out to me that had uh been re- reading and growing themselves while they were part of this Baptist world I was in. Mm-hmm. And they kind of provided me uh some friendship and some grace and some perspective and yeah. I started slowly making my way back uh to a faith that I was uh, comfortable with for the most part, just like you, I have, I have days when I, I'm just like, I don't know if this thing has too solid a definition for <laughs> me. I think I'm, I, I feel a little bit like I'm waiting, uh, in water. Um, uh, and I don't really know what's underneath, you know, like, yeah. uh, like there's these depths that are, uh, unanswerable and, Mm-hmm. and i tend to we tend to take what we know and think that, that the world is that so we have our five senses and we're just like and that's the world <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> it's like yeah we wake up and we just whatever we've walked through you know unless we had our facebook or our news or our showing us evidence of something else that would be the whole universe to us. The world would be flat if it wasn't for you, you know, yeah. some sort of explorative uh sciences. Because that's all that that's all that people experienced it with. Um so I, I feel like God is the same way with me. It's like some days I uh, feel the presence of something greater than myself and I can lean back on it. Uh mm-hmm. and 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 I kind of feel that weight and that embrace. And then there's other days that um it's just like I uh I don't, it's not that I don't know if there's any truth. I don't know if I struggle with that. Uh, But I don't know if, I feel like I still have a lot to learn about the expanse of truth. Mm -hmm. And um, how all these different uh, belief systems um, come into play to what's objectively true. And and I have a feeling that uh, all of us from all religions and all faith backgrounds are just going to be a little bit surprised uh when it comes to uh post life consciousness
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: and i look forward to that yeah I, I look forward to that mystery i guess
0: yeah what do you think happens after we die you Just know I, i've never asked anybody this question but i feel like you would have like at least a decent maybe <laughs> Do you have yeah. a decent idea? Have you ever had a near-death experience? Tell me everything you know. I have a you know. pretty
2: decent maybe, Kevin. I do. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I I don't actually. I've never had a near-death experience, but um, I do. Uh, I do really believe that there is something that happens after we die, and more than just like as a hobbyist. Like I I think it's <laughs> such a a great thing to hope for. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it seems to me that. All of this uh, energy and identity has to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of like the idea of um, the – how the – the idea that the vision of the self now with all of our kind of ego and ideas and need to own and possess and and have our own opinions and stuff, um, that that idea of the self uh, enlarges. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that we're invited into some sense of unity that when we die, uh, our spirit, uh, goes somewhere where it's not, it's not like just us, but now nobody, you know, like, mm-hmm. like the invisible floating spirit. I, I don't know if it's going to be that, or if it's going to be this invitation into something much, uh, bigger
1: mm-hmm.
2: and our, our memories and our relationships and our consciousness, like, I like the idea of heaven being that once we die, we're offered something better, yeah, than what we can understand right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh, are just like, "Well, it's like you'll eat an apple, but it'll be even more delicious." <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, oh, or, great! <laughs> and all the streets will just like you know, uh, a lot of the biblical imagery is like, and all the streets were gold, and all, it was like. It was like these people trying to trying in their cultural language to say it was as good as you can imagine
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and even more so. And and so I kind of hold out hope that that's that that's what's going to happen, that we're going to be all pleasantly surprised and invited mm-hmm. to um, invited to participate in something really wonderful. Um, have you ever have you ever witnessed someone pass away?
0: No, I've never I've I've seen I've seen a dead body. Um mm-hmm. and I have a friend who had a near death experience, but um I uh I've never
2: actually seen somebody die in front of can me. You tell, can you tell that story or is that his story to tell?
0: Um, I mean it, it was pretty basic, the what he described it to me. Like he was in uh, a really bad car accident. Um on his way to the hospital he his like heart stopped. Um and he said that when he apparently like he was dead for a couple minutes, but he said like Before he woke up again, he said, like, all I felt, he's like, he's like, I was just in this really bright place and I was Mm. very much at peace and I was very happy. Mm. I was like, whoa. And he's like, and then I woke up and that was the whole deal. Yeah. And I'm like,
2: that's so crazy. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that we can hope for. That's something Mm. I definitely hope for. But uh, I... I've kind of let go after my Baptist roots. I've, I've let go for a need of knowing, you yeah. know, uh, or having this one thing and being like, "This is my brand of tea." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like this—this this is exactly what I think happens before we die. I, I like to yeah. just be like, "I'm, I'm going to try to stay open so that uh, if mm-hmm. there is something after death, and if my eyes close for the last time, mm-hmm. and uh, and my awareness reawakens somewhere else." I hope that my heart is open enough that however that is expressed to me, I can receive it. Um Dang. And that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not I don't I don't dismiss it or I don't reject mm-hmm. it because it doesn't fall in line with what my idea was of a of a good time, so to speak. Yeah, of a good time.
0: Heaven. It's a good time, you guys.
2: It's Heaven, Colin.
0: <laughs> we should really get on the marketing team for that.
2: Yeah, that's right. The, the Heaven marketing team.
0: You know, what we haven't <laughs> talked about it at all in this entire conversation. Yes. Let's
2: start. You're,
0: you're Well, like you're you're a musician. And Yeah. So yeah. what you do with your life? Um what's uh what has been the most challenging thing about being an independent musician and someone whose music doesn't exactly fit, like, um, like the broader market. It's like, it's not pop radio music. It's like heartfelt storytelling. Um, -hmm. so how do you,
2: what's been the hardest part about
0: just being in the world that you are musically?
2: Yeah. I think the hardest part for me is keeping my heart open Hmm. because, Uh, once you can wrap your head around, uh, figuring out how to support yourself, especially if you're still the only one powering the engine. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that's like, I have a bunch of, I mean, I would be nothing without the fans that I have and the people that book me for shows, but, but I'm still the one that sends the email, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the initial, uh, contact and sometimes that can over possess you. Uh, Mm -hmm. and you can lose your creative, hopeful energy that gets you to write songs that are meaningful, Mm -hmm. meaningful, excuse me. And so I, I find that that's, that's a big issue with me is I I can sometimes catch myself after a particularly cold reply, (laughs) uh, to your effort to put your music out into the world. Uh, it's difficult to be like, and tomorrow I'm going to wake up and really believe in the, uh, that in the end um goodness is the way to go
1: yeah
2: uh and a lot of times i think you get exposed to some of the dark arts of um narcissism and possessiveness and ego especially when you start wandering into the uh the mainline music industry and mm. you can be tempted to think that that's all it is um but then uh if you just kind of try to keep your heart open to the next experience or concert or connection, then you meet someone like Kevin Garcia who invites me <laughs> to be a part of his co- the vodka. But uh, you'll, you'll meet someone else that has uh, a big heart and integrity and, and wants to kind of has the right idea of music to keep you moving forward. But I would say that's the, that's the daily struggle for me is mm-hmm. to remember too that, Hey, this is about the song. And, yeah. um, and when I say the song, I mean, life is a song you know this is about just believing that this music is tapping into something deeper than and bigger than you and being able to get out of the way and stay hopeful and 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 bright and open that's kind of that's kind of my big challenge when i started out by far the biggest challenge was can i do this full time like Mm -hmm. can i quit my day job can i can i uh have enough uh to keep (laughs) Uh, having food on the table and um, having a decent a decent life for myself, mm-hmm. and then um, that has never left me. I, I still struggle. I still um, I, i'm i'm able to do it, but it still is like a workout every day where you yeah. get up, you have to yeah, you have to flex and struggle and push. Um, but then it becomes uh, just remembering that life isn't about the flexing and struggling and pushing. Life is about. Mm-hmm the friendships you make along the way, the person in front of you uh, that's having a uh, powerful moving experience with your songs. And it's like, if you get to do that one more time, then, uh, then this is worthwhile. best revolution is the one that starts like when you get up in the morning and decide that the world in, directly in front of you is going to be positively affected by who mm. you are. And that's this – it's this little tiny uh, – this little tiny revolution every single day when you decide to be the kind one, um, yeah. decide to be the friendly one, decide to be the sacrificial one. And um, I think that's kind of the big secret and especially in this current election. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> well, it, I of course I listened to a couple podcasts before uh um talking to you and I listened to the one about uh um the the sweet Muslim girl that you had on. Yeah. And uh, it was it was just wonderful but you could hear uh you know you were very transparent and and sweet uh, about how this was affecting you. Mhm. And it's affecting you <laughs> it's <laughs> like, and it's affecting a lot of people, but it, you could kind of feel that mm-hmm. in your, and I, and I think the, um, the, the false truth, <laughs> the alternative mm-hmm. fact <laughs> that <laughs> presented to us sometimes with the media, especially loving to show us all of this constantly. Um, they don't want to just tell us once they want to tell us during the whole nine hour news cycle, the, mm-hmm only negative thing that happened that day. Um, it, it, it's kind of this insidious idea creeps in that your tiny revolutions don't matter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And like y- you get this feeling when you wake up in the morning, especially when you feel like the higher powers are all, um, oppressive or against you. Yeah. You get this feeling that like, what's the, what's the point if I do anything good today? Um, because this guy is still president. Yeah. Um, but I find in my life that when I – that these little steps of goodness I try to do in my life, uh, I really do believe they make the world a better place. And if I don't do them, uh, I think that affects things as, as well. And so starting with that tiny revolution in working mm-hmm. out, I think that's the big secret to being a lot less stressed, <laughs> being a lot more happy, being a lot less mm-hmm. anxious about the future. Um, it, it, it's like being able to go to bed and being like, I I really, the people around me kind of felt mm. a a breath of kindness that, yeah. um, y- you know, that, that I otherwise wouldn't be doing if I was thinking about the news all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Self-care around not watching the news is real.
2: Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Let me tell you. I, I think there's so many people that just aren't, they try to stay away from all that mm. stuff right now. And, and that's, of course... Uh, hard too, because you still feel like you you need to be involved somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So striking that balance is really tricky. Yeah,
0: and learning we're... how much you can handle on your own too, because like, yeah. I know that me like I can handle a bunch, um, whereas other people like you, they hear one thing and it's like <sighs>
2: meltdown. Yeah. Uh huh. So. Yeah. Well, through though.
0: We will. We're like the 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 thing about it is is like the worst part about this whole thing is it's not going to kill us. So.
1: <laughs>
0: <Dude>. <laughs> like seriously like i would rather this whole thing just like just take me now lord because then i wouldn't have to deal with this bullshit oh my goodness Shut but because up. it's not gonna kill me because it's like you know maybe in my wildest nightmares it would kill me but like um it probably won't so therefore in light of that what do i need to do <laughs> um
2: <laughs> That sounds like a psalmist limit to me, my friend. <laughs> oh,
1: my love, carry me-
0: conversation with a very charming and lovely bobby joe valentine you can connect with him over on his website BobbyJoeValentine.com, as well as over on facebook.com slash bobby joe v on twitter at bobby joe valentin apparently there wasn't enough letters in there such so as bobby joe valentin good for him good for you bobby and also be sure to pick up his new album fox eyes will heart which is available on itunes and on his website I wanna give a big shout out to all of my friends who support this work, especially those who are supporting me through patreon patreon is a really fantastic way to help support the creatives in your life that are creating things that actually matter to you so if you like this podcast if you like the youtube videos that I've been putting out recently if you like um, any of the talks that I've given if you like the blog I would highly suggest that you become a patron because if you think about it I think about it this way you wouldn't go into a Starbucks and just get your coffee and not pay for it right you wouldn't buy a ticket to a show and not pay for it unless it's a free show and granted yeah everything i put out in the world is technically for free and i believe that's part of my ministry but think of how we could impact more people if we have more support i i I gotta tell you guys ever since launching my youtube channel i have had a huge influx of messages and tweets and Uh, Comments from people saying that they had no idea it was possible to be queer and Christian. They had no idea that a whole nother community existed out there. Which goes to show you, like, when you are putting yourself out there, when you are telling people who you are, what you're doing, and what God is doing in the world, like, people start responding to that. And that's only made possible because people like you are helping support this work financially. Because, again, I work in a restaurant right now. And I work part-time, and so I've got to pay the bills. And so to work to pay the bills, I have to work X amount of hours in a restaurant. But if I have support through Patreon, I get to work less hours in a restaurant and more hours directly pouring into creating content that speaks to the LGBTQ experience. So if this work has been good for you, if it has been good for somebody that you know, if you believe that telling good stories is important, I would implore you. Please become a patron through Patreon, and you can get all of that information at patreon.com slash Garcia, or just go over to my website and check it out there. Thank you so much. Special thanks to my friend Jonathan Gilpatrick for his production assistant on this podcast for helping balance out the sound. Um, thank you to all my Patreon supporters. Like I said, thank you to Bobby Joe for sitting down with me. You are a treat, and I miss you, boo. Um, thank you to all my friends who came to see me at the Wild Goose Festival, and thank you to everybody who just listens. Honestly, like I never dreamed in my wildest imagination that I would sit and talk into a microphone, and people would actually enjoy it. Um, and it's a, re- it's really, it's really, a, it is really a joy for me. To be able to connect with so many cool, wonderful artists, activists, and people who are just ordinary folks doing revolutionary things. So uh, remember, you are a revolutionary. Your life is wonderful, adventurous, and fantastic. And don't let anybody, not even yourself, tell you different. Again, my name is Kevin Garcia. Go and connect with me over on the blog, on social media. And if you wouldn't mind, go over to uh, the iTunes store and leave us a review um leaving those little five-star reviews really helps us get us further out and connect with people who would probably benefit from something like this so that's all from me i will see you hopefully next week and i'll see you over on the blog and on youtube and i love you have a great week and i'll talk to you soon bye oh
1: my love carry me away carry me Take me now, Lord, because then I wouldn't have to deal with this bullshit. Oh my goodness.